It's time for the 2 o'clock show. Featuring Matthew Clock, Tim Clock. Welcome once again to the 2 o'clock show. We're glad to have you with us once again. We thank you for listening. If this is your first time, our condolences. If it's not your first time, then we are amazed. Uh, we have a letter, actually a couple letters uh, here we'd like to read briefly. One comes from Bob Sadowski in Hoboken, Kentucky. And he says, Dear 2 o'clock show, it was either listen to your program or a symposium on the global ramifications of bovine flatulence. And so I listened to yours instead. So thanks. That was, that was really encouraging. Here's another one. This letter comes from one Ronald Oswald from Kimballsburg, Columbia. It reads, Your podcast was so horrible that when I put it on, my wife rammed screwdrivers into her ears just to shut you out. Hmm. That's encouraging. Thanks for that. This episode is brought to you by Fletcher Gunnerson's Elocution Lessons. And we actually do have Mr. Fletcher Gunnerson in the studio for a brief interview. Hello, welcome to the show, Mr. Gunnerson. I'm doing pretty good. So, uh, to start things off, what is elocution? Oh, no, Oh, correct pronunciation of words. I see. It, it sounds like it. Meow, meow. So, might I ask, why is it important? Well, it's very important that I perspective of the... the Audience of, of what your enunciation of, and 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 always to to always do that. Alrighty, and how did you get on the path of teaching elocution lessons? How did you get here? Well, it's basically my my uh, my charismatic personality and uh, and my my speaking style, which I. Probably I see an inspiring story to be sure. We also understand you've instructed some very influential people. Would you please enlighten us about that? I see quite the list there. Let's see, next question is how long does it take to master elocution? I see, I see. Well, thank you for uh, joining us. And to wrap up, um, the final question, what is something we can do every day to practice better elocution? Well, I was a very, 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 very,
Well, it does sound like some solid advice there. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Gunnarsson. And for all you listeners out there, um, do remember Fletcher Gunnarsson does has elocution lessons available. And this episode is brought to you by Fletcher Gunnarsson's elocution lessons. And now, for Adventures in Time and Space. Welcome once again to Adventures in Time and Space, where my father Tim and I um, use our geotemporal vortex facilitator, which we built, to travel through both time and space to go to any location at any time. We were thinking of where we'd go for our next adventure in our geotemporal vortex facilitator, and we decided to go to a town in eastern Montana called Glendive. For those of you asking why, our research says Glendive has about the best finds in dinosaur bones. Of course, we're not after bones, we're looking for real live dinosaurs. Well, it's doubtful that there are any living dinosaurs there now, so what we're doing is we're aiming for 5,000 years ago. We want to see what Montana looked like before Noah's flood, which we estimate to be about 4,000 years ago. We want to see for ourselves how large animals, insects, and other creatures got before the flood. Fossils of giant dragonflies and bugs and things like that have been found that are just enormous. Dragonflies with like three foot wingspans and that sort of thing. So we wanted to see for ourselves what these animals look like before the flood. It's our understanding that animals of that time lived a very long time and got very large. And more specifically, we'd really like to see a dinosaur. And we'd really be happy if we could find a T-Rex. That's what we were really hoping for. I think that's something everyone probably wanted us to do since they heard we had a time machine. Probably so. Probably so. I don't know why we didn't do it sooner. Well, we're going to climb on in here now to the Geotemporal Vortex Facilitator. Alrighty. Huh. Now, I installed a new sound on our, our big red button, the one that we aren't able to push except for an emergency. Another um, one? Yep, I put another noise because I thought, you know, if we're going to encounter dinosaurs, especially something as large and dangerous as a Tyrannosaurus rex, I thought it'd be good if we had something loud and obnoxious that might scare them away. And if we were to wander off, we, you know, the last thing we want to do is get lost in Montana 5,000 years ago. So we have our remote, though we have to push the remote also or the big red button and it will sound and we'll know where we left the geotemporal vortex facilitator and we'll be able to locate it and get back home. So why don't you do the honors, go ahead and push that big red button and see, see how it sounds. This is gonna be a thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and that's it. Hopefully that'll scare off pretty much anything. I don't know what I expected. Well, anyway, let's set the dial for Glendive, Montana, 5,000 years ago, and here we go! Okay, cracker open, let's see where we are. Uh, 
Okay, that one was just looking, I guess. That that had to have been a dragonfly. I'm, I can never remember which is a damselfly and which is a dragonfly. But, but the wingspan on that thing must have been three feet. I'm, I'm glad it was just, just looking and not uh, looking for something to eat. Okay, well, let's explore, but just not too far. I have the remote, just in case. Oh, good. Look at the size of that snail. That thing's as big as a Volkswagen. Thing's huge. You could practically live in its shell. You probably could actually live in its shell. Am I seeing things, or is that like a four-foot-long cucaracha? No, you're not seeing things. Wow, things got big here back in those days. Why don't we kind of try to stay under the trees? Not only will it be better to hide from anything we might encounter, but I'm I'm kind of concerned about some flying dinosaurs we may encounter, and if we stay protected by the trees, we're a lot less likely to get picked off by something. You mean like that actual pterodactyl circling overhead? Is that what that is? It looks like it. Let's just go under this tree here. We finally see a dinosaur, and it's probably going to try to eat us. Of course. Looks like it's heading off. Through the trees, I see a body of water down there. It looks like a pond or a lake or something. Why don't we head down by the water to see... What was that? I don't know. Whatever it is, it's huge. It's coming this way, I think. Why don't we head towards the geotemporal vortex facilitator? All right, let's go. It's this way, right? I thought it was this way. Try the remote. Will that attract dinosaurs? Uh, let's hope not. We have to find the geotemporal vortex facilitator before a dinosaur steps on it. I think Mom might get upset if we get stuck here in Montana 5,000 years ago. We gotta come up with a shorter name for the geotemporal vortex facilitator for situations like this. Yeah, maybe we can just call it the GTVF or something like that or something garbage can, I don't know. Do you have your phone? We have to photograph whatever this is. Why didn't we bring it on our first two trips? There it is. Let's head there quick. It's getting closer. Quick, let's get in. It's a T-Rex. It's heading right for us. I'll set the dial for home while you get a quick photo and, and shut the hatch. He stopped. Maybe because he can't see us? Good thing, it could squish us flat. And I hope you got a good picture, and that'll be that'll be amazing to show everybody when we get home. Well, let's get out of here. At least we have a photo to show Mom, hopefully, and maybe we can post it on our site. This program is brought to you in part by Abner's Left-Handed Products Incorporated. Abner cares about left-handed people who often feel awkward and neglected in society. Abner's has left-handed pencils, left-handed pens, toothpicks, toothbrushes, and hairbrushes. At Abner's, lefties have rights too. In the rough 
and tumble old west in a town called Elvira Gulch, men lived and worked hard, and two men kept the peace in Elvira Gulch, Marshal Dillard and his deputy Buford. We joined them in the Elvira Gulch Saloon, having a sarsaparilla. Sure is a hot one, right, Marshal? Yep. Why, you little... Light looked like it hurt. Are you gonna do something about it, Marshal? Nah, he looked like he had it coming. And besides, I already got my sarsaparilla. Say, Marshal? Yep? Those come they spell sarsaparilla like sarsaparilla, but we say it sarsaparilla. Well, it's just one of them great mysteries of this year, 19th century, Buford. Where'd sarsaparilla come from? Is it root beer? Well, from what I hear, it was invented by the Native Americans, Buford. It's similar to root beer, uh, but sarsaparilla is made from the sarsaparilla vine. Also, from what I hear, root beer was made from the root of the sassafras tree. What do they call it, sarsaparilla? <laughs> Why is a cactus called a cactus, Buford? Why is a horse a horse? Soap called soap. Good question, Marshal Dillard. Well, although I did hear that sarsaparilla came from the Spanish word zarzatharia. Native Americans taught them Spaniards that came over about how to be planting them and Spaniards took it back to Europe. I had zarzatharia one time after eating too many beans. Now that you mention it, why do they call it Europe? What do you mean, Buford? Why not he's up or she's up or they're up? Why you're up? Look, Buford, don't let your sarsaparilla get warm there. Ooh, right, Mark Dillard. Huh. Well, it's high noon, Buford. The Seamus brothers promised to get me today at high noon. Said so on the note that they tied to the brick. Now they threw through the marshal's office window yesterday. I still got that knot on my head from that, too. Well, I told you not to nap in that chair so close to that there window. Everybody take cover. One of the Seamus brothers threw in the stack and lit dynamite. I'll get it, Marshal. In an act of extreme bravery or sheer stupidity, Deputy Buford dives on the lit stack of dynamite that was thrown into the Elvira Gulch Saloon. What will become of Deputy Buford? Is this the end of Marshall Dillard and the customers of the Elvira Gulch Saloon? Be sure to listen next time to The Life and Times of Elvira Gulch. This episode has been brought to you by Tom Sasparilla. Home-brewed goodness down to the very last drop. <coughs> Buy some today. Thank you once again for listening to the 2 o'clock show. Now comes the time, as always, where we have an awkward outro that we definitely have planned beforehand. Yeah. You know, Eunice over there in the office said that uh, she saw an unusual something out in the parking lot. Why don't we go check it out as we leave? Well, that'd be something, I suppose. After you, sir. Thank y'all. Hmm. This thing looks like a uh, flying saucer. Yeah, it looked like someone leave a movie prop or something.
The door is open. Let's let's check it out. Okay. What well, until next week. You we were, we were going to say something. I interrupted like a pig. I was, I was I was like wondering like is this from like one of those like old black and white movies or I don't know. Look look at the detail on this. The knobs, the flashing lights, the the seats. What does this one do? The dials. Let's push it and find out. Okay. Well, hopefully we'll be back in time to bring another show next week. So until then, adios. Ah!